Greetings and welcome to Vedic Mythology, Music and Mantras. I'm Ben Collins. This week we start a multi-part series on Subramanyam, the son of Shiva and brother of Ganesha. Subramanyam is often referred to as Mahasenaya, the cosmic general, and in many ways the embodiment of the planet Mars. Subramanyam is very popular in Tamil Nadu, which is in the south of India, where he is frequently known as Murugan. There's a fantastic temple in Kanchipuram at which a special collection of stories about Subramanyam called the Sri Kanda Puranam was written. Kanchipuram is home to many famous temples, starting with the huge Akambeshwara Shiva temple, the lovely goddess temple called Kamakshi, and right in between the two, there is a temple for their son, Subramanyam. The temple is called Kandakotam, or Kumarakotam, and there are quite a few great stories associated with it, which we will explore in the next few podcasts. As you know, Shiva and Parvati's first son is Ganesha, the remover of obstacles. Their second son, like most deities in the Vedic tradition, is known by a number of different names, Subramanyam, Murugan, Kartikeya, Kumara, Saravana, Vellava, Shanmuka, and so on. He represents the quintessential male god. He's young, famously good-looking, powerful, optimistic, and very strong. He's known as a poet and also something of a rebel or nonconformist. And if you think of these qualities, it's very easy to understand why he's the deity form of the planet Mars. He is indeed the divine general, the Mahasenaya. In the Vedic literature, the stories of the various gods are called Puranas, and there are lots and lots of them. In particular, for Subramanyam, the Purana is called, in Sanskrit, the Skanda Mahapurana. And in the south, there's a smaller version called the Tamil Kanda Puranam. To give a sense of the scale, the original Vedic Skanda Mahapurana is divided into six Samhitas, and they contain 55,000, 6,000, 3,000, 5,000, 30,000, and 1,000 slokas, respectively. The Tamil Kanda has only 10,345 verses in it, so it's a bit more manageable, and I was able to find an English translation containing some of the great stories from this Purana. This Purana was written by Kachapar Shivacharya, who would sit on the grounds of this temple in Kanchipuram and write during the day. And at the end of the day, he would place his work at the feet of the deity in the Mulastanam. And when he returned the next day, he would find that Murugan would have made corrections and changes to the manuscript during the night. So the Purana is considered to be the authoritative account of Lord Murugan, or Subramanyam, having been corrected by him directly. Now in this temple, Subramanyam assumes the Brahmasta form, meaning that he is acting as if the creator Brahma himself. This happened because one day Vishnu, Brahma, and some of the other devas were on their way to Mount Kailash to pay a visit to Shiva. As they approached the mountain, they saw Subramanyam, Shiva's young son, sitting on the porch quietly enjoying the morning sunshine. As they walked past him into Shiva's palace, they all bade him a respectful good morning 
as they walked by, but not Brahma, who saw him as just an unknowledgeable young boy. Of course, this was not exactly the treatment that the son of Shiva would have expected, even from the Creator himself. So he shouted a question at him. What is the significance of Pranava, the sacred symbol Om? Brahma, who thought that the young Subramanyam was acting rather impertinently, snapped, Om is Brahma. Well, Subramanyam was much smarter than that, and embodying the energy of Mars, also had a bit of a quick temper, not to mention a good sense of humor. So he asked Brahma to join him in one of the rooms of Shiva's palace, and in a quick moment, Subramanyam jumped out and locked the door. Well, Brahma was now stuck, and so Subramanyam took over his duties as creator. But without quite having Brahma's skill, so the creation was gradually coming to a standstill. The gods became concerned, and they went to Shiva and told him what had occurred and asked him to intervene with his son. Well, Shiva was certainly amused, and he sent Nandi, the bull, to talk to Subramanyam to tell him to kindly let Brahma out of his improvised prison. But to no avail, Subramanyam would not accede to his father's request. After hearing Nandi's report, Shiva himself went to Subramanyam and asked if he really knew the deepest meaning of pranava or om. Of course, father, replied Subramanyam. But the secret of Om can only be learned from a guru. I can tell you, but you'll have to accept me as your guru and bow down to my feet as a student would honor his own guru. Well, said Shiva, then I accept and honor you. Kindly enlighten me. And so Subramanyam is known as Swaminathan, the teacher of Shiva. In due time, Brahma returned to his role as creator, but Subramanyam had committed a bit of an offense in that he had disobeyed his father. So being aware that his actions would be an example to all, he went to Kanchipuram to perform penance, and that place became known as Kumarakotam. It is interesting that this seems to happen frequently in these stories. The deity always makes a lingam out of sand in order to do the worship of Shiva. There is a famous lingam like this in Rameshwaram, where Rama worshipped Shiva at the end of the Ramayana War. In Kanchipuram, there's one at the Akambeshwara Shiva temple that was supposedly made by Parvati, and one at the Kapeshwara temple that was made by Vishnu. These sand lingams are very carefully preserved in the temples, although you can't get very close to them in person. They really do look like they were originally a sand lingam that has made, been made fairly solid and almost rock-like, but they are very, very carefully taken care of. It occurs to me that the point is less whether or not the sand lingam is fully authentic. Many of the features of the Vedic tradition are related to making God real or accessible, rather than distant or unattainable. The Vedic tradition is all about helping you to feel close to the divine, and standing in the temple, knowing the story, and looking at this simple sand-like lingam, thinking that it might somehow have a divine origin, is at the very least absorbing and intriguing. So back to the Kumarakotam temple. In this temple, Subramanyam is seen in a special form. He has one face and four hands, the form that he assumed when he was functioning as creator. He holds a mala 
and water pot, as does Brahma, and his right hand is in the Abhayahasta mudra, and his lower left hand rests on his hip. It was at this temple that Kachyapar Shivacharya wrote his Sri Kanda Purana, but even though he had apparently some divine help with the proofreading, he still got off to a rough start. As was the custom in those days, he would present his work to an assembly of leading scholars who would certify that Kachyapar Shivacharya's work was authentic, accurate, and worthy of respect and preservation. So when the day arrived, Kachyapar sat on the raised platform, said a few words of prayer to Subramanyam, and began to read. His text began with a verse of invocation asking for divine blessings from Ganesha. It began in Tamil, Tigara Chakara Chamuga Mendulan. The Lord with the ten hands and the five faces. But suddenly one of the scholars stood up. Kachapar stopped and asked if he wanted the first line repeated. No, was the reply. I want to point out that there is no grammatical sanction for your formation of the first word. It is not correct. What is your authority for such an odd formation of this phrase? Kachyapar was stunned. One might expect a degree of skepticism, but he was being challenged on the very first word of the invocation. I do not know, he said. The first line was given by Lord Subramanya himself, and I just completed the stanza suitably. The audience of experts was undeterred. In order for your work to be accepted as authentic either, you must cite a grammatical text, or perhaps Lord Murugan would kindly appear before us and testify that he indeed was the author of this line. Until either happens, we can only doubt the authenticity of this work, and it cannot be accepted any other way. Well, Kachapar didn't know what to do. He was, after all, only doing what he had been asked to do by Subramanyam. So he decided, in spite of his anxiety, to simply go about his daily routine of pujas and to stay in the temple that night. As he slept, Subramanyam appeared before him and let him know that indeed there was a grammatical work to support the unusual fusion of the first two words, and that a poet from the Chola kingdom would be at the assembly the next day to vouch for the correctness of the grammar. Well, the next day, Kachapar sat down in front of the crowd, and the man who raised the question the day before posed his question again, this time in a rather loud voice. As this was happening, a stranger arrived in the assembly hall and walked towards the stage. He introduced himself as a poet from the Chola kingdom and handed a book to the questioner, saying, My friend, this is Vera Chosium, an ancient Tamil grammar book that we accord great authority to in the Chola kingdom. If you look at the 18th verse in the chapter on word fusion, you will find the authority you are looking for. At the request of the poet, the doubtful scholar read the relevant portion of the book aloud twice. Everyone agreed that the doubt had been removed and the problem sufficiently addressed. There was a sudden subtle glow on the spot, and the poet silently disappeared. The doubting scholar tried to beg forgiveness from Kachyapar, who simply said that it was only because of your objection that we were able to enjoy the presence of Subramanyam, even if only briefly. Kachyapar continued with his recitation of the story of Subramanyam in every detail.
Well, the short story of the origins of Subramanyam is that there was a time when a powerful demon by the name of Surapadman was oppressing the gods and making their lives miserable. The demon had received a boon that he would only be killed by the hands of a son of Shiva. He thought at the time that Shiva, being as he is, an unmarried ascetic, would uh, not be likely to be fathering any children any time soon. And as it happened, Shiva was deep in meditation at the time due to a request by the four sons of Brahma the Creator. No one wanted to disturb him because Shiva was quite fierce when his meditations were dis disturbed. But finally, in desperation, Vishnu went to Manmata, the Vedic Cupid, and told him that it was all up to him. Manmata had to shoot one of his sugar cane and flower arrows at Shiva to awaken him, after which Parvati would get him to choose her as his wife. A son would be born, the demon killed, and life would go back to normal in the universe. Well, the plan worked, almost. Unfortunately for Manmata, when he shot Shiva with the arrow, a burst of light flew out of Shiva's third eye and re reduced Manmata to ash. But Parvati worked her charms on Shiva, and the wedding was on. It was a glorious affair, and all the gods and goddesses were there, so much so that the earth started tipping dangerously towards the north, and this was causing some considerable concern. So Shiva asked the sage Agastya to visit with him and explained that he needed Agastya go stay in the south so the world would again be in balance. I'm asking you, said Shiva, because you're the greatest sage here, and only you can act as a counterbalance to all the people here in the north. So even a sage, it seems, is not immune to flattery, and Agastya set off for the south, but only after extracting a promise from Shiva that he would be able to enjoy the wedding using his inner yogic vision. And Rati, the wife of Manmata, was also at the wedding and pleaded with Shiva to restore her husband to life. Without my husband, no one is getting married. There are no weddings, and no children will be born. Without love, the universe will slowly and surely come to a stop. Shiva agreed, but told her that from that point onward, only she would be able to see her husband. For all others, Manmata would be invisible, although everyone would feel the effects of his arrows. And that, by the way, is why no one can see Manmata, the Vedic Cupid. After the wedding, Shiva and Parvati went back to Mount Kailas to enjoy their lives together. But after some time, there was still no child, and Surapadman was still running amok throughout the universe, causing trouble. First, the gods tried sending Vayu, the wind god, who gathered up all the sweet smells of springtime. But that didn't work. Still no child. In desperation, all the gods got together and went en masse to Kailas, to see Shiva. He appeared before them in his most rare form with six faces, Asanam, Tatpurusham, Vamanam, Agoram, Sadyojatam, and the sixth, which is only visible to those who are fully enlightened, Adhomukham. From each of the six faces, hot sparks flew out from his third eye, and the god cried out in fear at the release of so much power. 
Shiva returned to his usual single-faced form and told Vayu, the wind god, and Agni, the god of fire, to take the six sparks to Saravana Lake, where they would reunite and become Shiva's son. Well, the sparks were too hot for Vayu, and soon he handed them off to Agni. And after a while, they were too hot even for Agni, and he gave them to the river Ganga, who brought them to Lake Saravana, but not before being almost evaporated herself. Once they reached the lake, the sparks united into an immense column of fire, and deep inside that fire, on a lotus flower, sat a young man with six faces and twelve hands. The gods were very excited. In the meantime, Shiva had called six girls called the Kritika to take care of the child. As they drew closer to him, he transformed himself into six little boys so that each girl could take care of one. And, as the text relates, at this time, the demon Surapadman started to have bad dreams. And unfortunately, we're going to have to stop here. And I'll continue next week with the story of Subramanyam as a child and how as a young man he married Vishnu's daughter and ended up fighting the demon Surapadam. In the meantime, we'll conclude this podcast with two selections. The first is Shanmuganar, a traditional Tamil devotional song in the special style of Tamil Nadu music. Then in a more traditional vein, we have the 108 names of Subramanyam. And that will be all for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.
இருக்கை மேலவனார் பக்தர்களை காத்திடுவார் பார்ப்புகழும் நாயகனார் காழ் பணிந்தால் அருள் தருவார் தர்மமெல்லாம் காத்திடவே தண்டபாணி உடன் வருவார் தர்மமெல்லாம் காத்திடவே தண்டபாணி உடன் வருவார் கந்தன் கருணை தந்து காலமெல்லாம் காத்து நிற்பார் கந்தன் கருணை தந்து காலமெல்லாம் காத்து நிற்பார் சண்முகனார் பேரை சொன்னால் சந்ததியை காத்து நிற்பார் ஐயனவர் ஆறுதலும் சுண்டிடுவார் அகலாத பிணிகளையே அகற்றி நம்மை காத்திடுவார் ஆறுதலை ஐயனவர் ஆறுதலும் சுண்டிடுவார் அகலாத பிணிகளையே அகற்றி நம்மை காத்திடுவார் சோர்வடைந்த மக்களையும் சோர்விழக்க செய்திடுவார் சோர்வடைந்த மக்களையும் சோர்விழக்க செய்திடுவார் கந்தரவர் பெயரை சொன்னால் வாழ்வில்லாம் செழிக்க வைப்பார் கந்தரவர் பெயரை சொன்னால் வாழ்வில்லாம் செழிக்க வைப்பார் சண்முகனார் பெயரை சொன்னால் சந்ததியை காத்து நிற்பார் கீழவனார் பெயரை சொன்னால் வீண்டும் வரம் தந்திடுவார் சண்முகனார் பெயரை சொன்னால் சந்ததியை காத்து நிற்பார் கீழவனார் பெயரை சொன்னால் வீண்டும் வரம் தந்திடுவார் ஆண்டவனே அவர் நமக்கு ஆறுதலை அளித்திடுவார் ஆண்டவனே அவர் நமக்கு ஆறுதலை அளித்திடுவார் அச்சங்களை அகற்றிடுவார் அருள் தங்கு காத்திடுவார் அச்சங்களை அகற்றிடுவார் அருள் தங்கு காத்திடுவார் சண்முகனார் பெயரை சொன்னால் சந்ததியை காத்து ஷண்முகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயமுகாயம
ದೇವಸೇನಾಪತ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪ್ರಾಜ್ಞಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಕೃಪಾಳವೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಭಕ್ತವತ್ಸಲಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಉಮಾಸುತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶಕ್ತಿಧರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಕುಮಾರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಕ್ರೌಚಧಾರಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸೇನಾನ್ಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅಗ್ನಿಜನ್ಮನೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ವಿಶಾಖಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶಂಕರಾತ್ಮಜಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶಿವಸ್ವಾಮಿನೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಗಣಸ್ವಾಮಿನೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸರ್ವಸ್ವಾಮಿನೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸನಾತನಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅನಂತಶಕ್ತಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅಕ್ಷೋಭ್ಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪಾರ್ವತೀಪ್ರಿಯನಂದನಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಗಂಗಾಸುತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶರೋದ್ಭೂತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಆಹೂತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪಾವಕಾತ್ಮಜಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಜೃಂಭಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪ್ರಜೃಂಬಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಉಜೃಂಭಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಕಮಲಾಸನ ಸಂಸ್ತುತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಏಕವರ್ಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ದ್ವಿವರ್ಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ತ್ರಿವರ್ಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸುಮನೋಹರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಚತುರ್ವರ್ಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪಂಚವರ್ಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪ್ರಜಾಪತಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅಹಸ್ಪತಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅಗ್ನಿಗರ್ಭಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶಮೀಗರ್ಭಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ವಿಶ್ವರೇತಸೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸುರಾರಿಘ್ನೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಹರಿದ್ವರ್ಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶುಭಕರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ವಾಸವಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪಟುವೇಷಭೃತೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಊಷ್ಣೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಗಭಸ್ತಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಗಹನಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಚಂದ್ರವರ್ಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಕಲಾಧರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಮಾಯಾಧರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಮಹಾಮಾಯಿನೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಕೈವಲ್ಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶಂಕರಾತ್ಮಜಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ವಿಶ್ವಯೋನಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅಮೇಯಾತ್ಮನೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ತೇಜೋನಿಧಯೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅನಾಮಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪರಮೇಷ್ಠಿನೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪರಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ವೇದಗರ್ಭಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ವಿರಾಟ್ಸುತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಪುಲಿಂದಕನ್ಯಾಭರ್ತ್ರೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಮಹಾಸಾರಸ್ವತಪ್ರದಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಆಶ್ರಿತಾಖಿಲದಾತ್ರೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಚೋರಘ್ನಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ರೋಗನಾಶನಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಅನಂತಮೂರ್ತಯೇ ನಮಃ 
ಆನಂದಾಯ ನಮಃ ಶಿಖಂಡೀಕೃತಕೇತನಾಯ ನಮಃ ಡಂಬಾಯ ನಮಃ ಪರಮಡಂಬಾಯ ನಮಃ ಮಹಾಡಂಬಾಯ ನಮಃ ವೃಷಾಕಪೇ ನಮಃ ಕಾರಣೋಪಾತ್ರದೇಹಾಯ ನಮಃ ಕಾರಣಾತೀತ ವಿಗ್ರಹಾಯ ನಮಃ ಅನೀಶ್ವರಾಯ ನಮಃ ಅಮೃತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಪ್ರಾಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ಪ್ರಾಣಾಯಾಮಪರಾಯಣಾಯ ನಮಃ ವಿರುದ್ಧಹಂತ್ರೇ ನಮಃ ವೀರಘ್ನಾಯ ನಮಃ ರಕ್ತಶ್ಯಾಮಗಲಾಯ ನಮಃ ಮಹಾಪೇ ನಮಃ ಸುಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣ್ಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ಗುಹಾಯ ನಮಃ ಪ್ರೀತಾಯ ನಮಃ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣ್ಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ಬ್ರಾಹ್ಮಣಪ್ರಿಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ವಂಶವೃದ್ಧಿಕರಾಯ ನಮಃ ವೇದವೇದ್ಯಾಯ ನಮಃ ಅಕ್ಷಯಫಲಪ್ರದಾಯ ನಮಃ ಶ್ರೀವಲ್ಲೀದೇವಸೇನಾ ಸಮೇತ ಶ್ರೀ ಸುಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣ್ಯಾಯ ನಮಃ